Get all your pork items for your operation with Smithfield Culinary. Choose from Smithfield's smoke and fast products and add barbecue to your menu without adding a pitmaster to your payroll. Or browse our margarita offerings, encompassing everything from pepperoni and pizza toppings to a variety of authentic specialty Italian meats. Finally, serve what you love with Smithfield, including everything from bacon to deli meats and much more. For the products and solutions to keep running strong, visit smithfieldculinary.com. Well, the gang's back. Yes. Yeah, look at this. <laughs> I wish I could say better than ever, but the amount of <laughs> muting I'm going to have to do to hack up along, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. Don't worry. Um, One so, of us is healthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam, you just got back from a trip to Disney. Can you tell us some of the food offerings that you experienced? I know there's a lot of really cool stuff there. There is. Yes. Um, yes. And that is why my body is broken is because I did uh, four full days at Disney, um, which to those of you listening who have been there, you know, you know, you, you just, you know, if you haven't been, um, I recommend it. Disney's great. It's magical. It's everything that you hear it is. However, I would caution, um, not only is it just super exhausting but it is very expensive and if you don't like crowds it's really not for you i don't like crowds but took one for the team for my kids it uh, ended up well we had a great time um but as it relates to this podcast i i have just got to do a tip of the hat to the disney just uh, the hospitality uh of disney is unparalleled and we give a lot of credit to chick-fil-a for its hospitality Disney really under the radar because it's just different. It's a theme park. But wow. I mean, Disney cast members, as they call them, not employees, are just so hospitable. Uh, it's it's remarkable considering the um, environment that you're in and how much stress and pressure you're in. And oh, boy, hot sun. Wow. I mean, it's October and it was hot. Like Florida. Now, I cannot imagine going in July. Lord have mercy. Now, you add all of those factors together, and you should be extraordinarily grumpy. God knows I was uh, a lot. But the cast members are just so hospitable and just very kind. So tip of the hat to Disney for that. But also, yeah, the food service is remarkable. Um, for starters, the just the operations of it, the efficiencies. I mean, there are many, 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 many thousands of people who are on premises every single day. And that just the way they keep lines moving and, um, you know, of course they have like mobile ordering and all this now, and they have this great digital experience where, you know, if you, you have the genie band or whatever, like all of this stuff just works so in concert and harmony with each other. That is just so, so impressive. Um, I would say specific, uh, the two specific nice restaurant experiences I had were, uh, uh my son who is almost five, uh, is obsessed with toy story. So we went to Toy Story World, spent many hours there, and we went to Woody's Roundup, which is a really nice restaurant there. Um, uh, uh, a prefix uh, menu, Toy Story prefix, never thought those words would go together, but here we are, um, of barbecue, uh, really delicious food in a, a very creative and imaginative setting. Uh, and then we did the uh, Be Our Guest Beauty and the Beast themed restaurant um which is also prefix you know of course when you think about how many people go through these restaurants having a prefix experience actually makes a ton of sense you also have to make those reservations months in advance we we had to make those reservations a long time ago um and so to you know you have that expectation of uh you know the predictability of the who's going to be coming through the restaurant you make a prefix menu so you can have predictability of purchasing and um you know you don't have to have the, all of the crazy ticketing systems uh, like a typical food service operation would. It's just very impressive. Um, I said out loud to, I think you guys, I said to a lot of people, we should host an event here. And I mean it because it's like, you know, to do a Disney immersion, I think would be really, um, I think it'd be really valuable to restaurant operators. Uh, and, and so the last thing I'll say is if we don't get to hosting an event there, cause you know, that's probably a fat chance. Um, go, go to Disney, even if you don't have kids, actually, especially if you don't have kids, because, uh, it's a lot easier if you don't have kids, clearly. Um, but pay attention to the systems, the operations, the food service, because it's extraordinary. And I think you'll learn something uh, for your own business. When we were talking about Epcot, which you didn't really get a chance to explore, but Epcot is like the food epicenter of Disney. It has everything you want. And you're so right. The operation there is run so smooth. I went to Disney like three years ago. And 
it, everything was spick and span. They were moving lines. Like they are, they know what they're doing. And it's really impressive to think about that this is an F&B operation. Like they're, it's very similar to what restaurants are going through on a day-to-day basis. But for some reason, they have it really locked down. It's very impressive. And the food's good. I mean, like just, it's, it's, it's like a lot of uh, theme parks, entertainment venues could really skimp on the food because they know people are not there for the food. But Dizzy's not that place. And, and in fact, with some of their restaurant experiences, the people are are there for the food, right? Um, uh, one crazy thing, uh, anecdote, I had escargot for the first time at Beauty and the Beast. I, I've never had escargot. I thought, hey, why not? What better place to just try escargot? It was really good. It was really good. So um, anyway, yeah, it's 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 so impressive. Lots to learn from Disney. There's a reason why they're Disney. Um, they're just on top of their game and, and very good at what they do. You're in your late 30s and you've never had escargot? No, yeah, believe it or not. I work in this industry. Never had escargot. Oh, I'm so but, glad I mean, you come on, like how how many times do you encounter escargot in your regular day to day? Like it's not it's not on most fine dining menus. That's a very niche uh, menu item, and I don't I just don't go to French restaurants a ton. Like if I go to upscale restaurants, typically it's it's not French. So, well, let's move from that to McDonald's. The yeah, natural. The, actually, I went to a McDonald's in France once, and they had very good food. Do they the have McDonald's escargot? abroad? Are delicious. Oh my god, they're a lot. They're a lot more like fast cash in Europe than they are here. Anyways, yep. um, a tangent. Uh, so McDonald's is in the news as it usually is, but this time it's because they're offering discounts for their free fry Fridays. I had to say that like 15 times yesterday because I could not get it right for first bite. Um, so free fries Friday is happening now and McDonald's giving away a free medium fries with the purchase of a dollar or more on their mobile app. Um, this kind of fits into the theme. We were talking about it before we start recording that it's kind of the theme of pricing and discounting this week and reaching out to Gen Z and Gen Alpha. Um, so what do you guys think about this story? Do you think it's going to help McDonald's gain more traffic? I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> anyway, next story. <laughs> Come on, Holly. Don't ask yes or no questions. Um I, yes, and I am fascinated by this, and obviously we're going to get a lot more into this today, but as part of a wider trend, I mean, of value discounting uh, that's happening across specifically QSRs right now, but we know how it goes. It's happening in QSRs today. It'll be happening in fast casuals tomorrow, metaphorical tomorrow, and so on and so forth. Um the free fries promo is interesting to me because, and you'll probably correct me if I'm wrong, because I probably am, but in my mind, at least, McDonald's has done things like this before, but not over the long term. But they're doing this every Friday through the end of the year um, as a way to address long-term traffic struggles. A couple things that stand out to me here. Uh, one is that, yes, McDonald's is seeing a traffic problem, but their traffic and visits are actually still up compared to the rest of the QSR segment. Um, so it feels like they're trying to get ahead of a problem, which good for them. I think that's great. Uh, the other thing is that they're specifically seeing consumers push back on price increases, which we've been talking about forever. They raised menu prices about 10% over the last year, and they're seeing specific pushback on that. And so that is where where they say that this promo really came from. And I think it's interesting because we've also talked a little bit about how we've only really seen one or two independent restaurants specifically lower their prices again. Like people have really, as much as inflation has kind of settled, uh, restaurant chains are really sticking to their guns with their increased menu prices. And so it's interesting to me that McDonald's is taking this approach that they would rather give away free fries than lower their menu prices even by one or two percent uh to kind of offset some of that resistance um so i thought that was interesting uh i'll be watching to see how this does impact their traffic if maybe if they can get it up in q4 back to levels that they are used to or that they want to see uh but i did think it was really interesting that they're still beating their competitors on traffic even without this promotion and of course as we'll discuss a lot of their competitors are also implementing similar 
deals right now. Yeah, there's this moment at Create a few weeks ago. Uh, I forget if it was at our investment summit or a different session, but um, one of the speakers, I remember, asked the audience, you know, who's having trouble with traffic and like every hand went up. And um, I mean, just that's the story of the industry right now. Traffic is 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 brutal. It's um, for the most part um, down at, at many restaurant companies or in the case of companies like McDonald's is at least soft. And so you have to do something to get customers in the doors. And this is a cleverly designed deal in that, you know, you have to, uh, it has to be a digital order. Uh, of course, you have a minimum of a dollar, which is not very hard. Um, but, you know, this is, this is encouraged not to, um, you know, you make the point, Leanne, about, wow, why don't they just lower their menu prices? Well, that's a much more expensive endeavor than just, you know, tacking on this one little premium option. Um, and sort of funneling the customers through the digital channel, which of course everybody is really trying to uh, do because it's just it's a much more efficient channel. So um, you're seeing a lot more of these deals, and we'll get into more of them here on this podcast too. Because you've got to get their attention, you got to get them in the doors, you got to recognize that price sensitivity, uh, pricing fatigue is real. Um, maybe I'm a little more sensitive because I'm coming out of Disney, but whoa, like it's just. Um, it's, it, it's got to come back. And, and so, um, while inflation remains stubbornly high, we have to find ways to encourage customers to spend their discretionary income and deals are a great way to do it. Last thing I'll say though, too, is it's not straight discounting, right? Like in this case, it's a, uh, a, a very specific deal for a free fry, it is not X dollars off your meal or anything like that. It's it's something that they can easily kind of pull back on once this deal is done in a couple months um, and not get stuck into this sort of deep discounting that happened during the last recession a decade ago, uh, which is, again, something that the industry has to figure out. How do you offer deals and value in a way that does not commit you for the long term to lower prices that you cannot pull out of? Well, I think the genie's out of the bottle as far as pricing goes. I don't think we're going to go back to those lower prices maybe ever because people are seeing that they can do it. Customers are still coming in and buying things. Like nobody abandoned Chipotle when they raised their prices. <clears throat> so I feel like we just have to get used to it now. Customers have to get used to it. But Chipotle and other places introduced their late night. They're opening up later at night for some specific college towns, hoping that they can get their burrito. Um, so... I think that Chipotle is handling it in a different way than McDonald's is handling it as, as a different way than Domino's is handling it. But everybody is really trying to get this message out that, Hey, you know, we, we can do discounts, we can do deals with you, but you know, we're not going to do it long term. So, I mean, I think that's, I don't think the pricing is ever going to go back. I think we've unleashed a demon and it's out and roaming the streets. Well, that's a very specific um, metaphor, but uh, also inflation long-term, this is normal. It, prices go, you know, you know, you hear about our parents and grandparents when they went to get a fast food meal, it was like 50 cents. I don't know how old they are, but, um, when I was recently at a major QSR that I won't comment any further about for a few more weeks yet, because it's still not totally a public thing. Um, I was at a recent, uh, headquarters for a major QSR recently, and I walked through their sort of history uh, wall and you know their original menu board was like 19 cent menu items right and it would that was like 50 years ago and it's like 19 cents but look this is how it works inflation over time history that's just kind of a thing that happens but um to your point holly about the chipotle thing another clear example as to how young people are the key to all of this so chipotle you know expanding their late night hours in college towns which is kind of a of course college students live by different hours than normal human beings um, 4 a.m. was a very normal, like closing time for restaurants when I was in college. Um, but recognizing that you have to particularly cater to the needs of the young people, not only because they're the ones that are especially dining at QSRs and fast casuals, they're also your customer of the future. Um, and, and they're the ones that don't have as much discretionary income. So a lot of this stuff is designed around their dining habits, their needs and wants. And that is a very smart thing to be doing right now. Well, you know, talking about discretionary income is the perfect time to talk about the Domino's story. There's 44 million people, myself included, who have to pay back student loans now. Um, and that's a lot of people who are losing a couple hundred dollars of discretionary income a month, which is 
not great for restaurants. So Domino's is targeting, I believe, a little bit of an older audience, probably like mid-20s versus Gen Z and Gen Alpha, which is a little bit younger. Um, but it's still targeting this age range that has all this buying power right now. I mean, probably under 30 is like where it's all at. So I think doing, I mean, they're only doing a million dollars of of it. So it's not really, I don't really think it's that good of a deal, but just saying. You um, digress. <laughs> I digress. Um, but it's like giving them, it's giving the coupons out on its app. So it's another way that customers are using the app that chains are getting restaurants, chains are getting customers to use their apps, which is what McDonald's is doing too. I mean, there's a lot of data flowing around and we've talked about the fact that these companies don't use data the way they should or the way they want to. So I'm curious what they're going to do with all of this information once, once these deals are over and they have all of this good data. Uh, It's going to keep milking it, right? They're going to keep... I mean, I get texts all the time from the pizza companies because I once used the coupon and put in my cell phone and hello, every Friday, they know it's pizza night at the Yoka's household. Um, so I, I, and I'll ask you guys a question. I did not look at the fine print of this deal. How do you prove you have student loans? Do you have to submit something to show them you have student loans? That I couldn't figure out either. Because that's a curious. Oh, no, apply, interested education borrowers can apply for the promo here. So there's a way to apply for it. Apply for it, which is a little cumbersome and is probably uh, uh, proof that not everybody will, that they might not fulfill the million dollars because yeah. it's like that's when you got to go that extra step, it's a little bit much. I appreciate that Domino's is getting creative here because, um, yeah, 44 million people, like, hello, you guarantee that probably 43,990,000 of them eat pizza. So, like, that's a huge demographic to appeal to at a moment of hardship it's, and, and a demographic who is very interested in deals in this moment. So it's getting creative with uh, appealing to the, the, the need state, so to speak, of the younger demographic um, in, in a very specific way. Now, again, I think that may be too specific because I am that person who's so lazy that if I have that extra step and I go to apply for something... And it's not just immediately on my phone. I can scan in that boot, but I'm going on and getting the deal. I'm not going to do it. Um, so, but, but yes, I very creative activation of a deal in a way that I think is thinking through the needs of the customers uh, in, in a, a, a way that will appeal to them for the long term. I feel like it's a lot to apply for, for just one pizza, in my opinion. Right. A lot of steps, a lot of steps yes. for just one pizza, though. Neither, I haven't had Domino's, but I'm sure it's really good. They, they do the stuffed crust, right? Just, I, I need a moment. I literally don't know. <laughs> no. Okay, listen. No. <laughs> they don't. That's not their thing. That's Pizza Hut. Come on. Go try all these restaurants, Holly, for the love of God. I've had, a, I've had Pizza Hut because it used to be in our Target. And there was like a little tiny booth where they just kept them preheated. And there's little mini pizzas. One of my favorite things I've ever eaten. So. I will give it as a pizza. Hut. Go try Domino's, please. It's, I mean, you've. Here's your assignment. Why would I here's try your Domino's? Assignment. Here's your assignment. Take a list of the top twenty restaurant companies. Figure out which ones you've never been to before. Go eat there and expense it. It's on our on our dollar. You hear hear it here. On this podcast, you hear it right here. You, because hear it. I cannot believe some of the companies you have never experienced before. That's research. You gotta like. You gotta research. You gotta experience these things. I ate Burger King for the first time like four months ago, and it was delicious. Yeah. Oh, educate yourself. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I, I will do that. Now that I know I have the company dime to do it. Oh. All right. Leanne, <laughs> give us some actual valuable information. <laughs> I would love to. Um, first of all, apparently some people don't think it's too much to apply for this pizza because I just went to the website to look for answers to some of these questions. And I have not found the answers, but I did get a pop-up that said they've already given away all their free pizzas for today. And uh, for those of you listening at home, it is 1130 in the morning. Jeez. So people are applying for their free pizzas and they are doing it in the morning. Anyway, um, another, like, just another interesting thing that I see in this uh, promotion is that younger millennials and Gen Z especially have said for years that one of the most important things to them as consumers is uh, giving their dollars to companies that share their values. Now, we're not necessarily seeing that in practice, which we don't have to get into, but they believe and they say that they want to support companies that share their values. And so in doing a promotion like this, 
Domino's is saying to their consumer or the younger consumer, we see you, we see these problems that you have and we are empathetic to you in this scenario. And so because you are going through this difficult time and paying off your student loans, we'd like to support you with a free pizza. That's what they're saying to these consumers. And that's how at least some of these consumers are gonna interpret this promotion. And I think that is really smart. You know, they could do this for any number of reasons, for any number of consumers. Hell, they could give away a free pizza to anybody every day, like if they really wanted to. Um, but by targeting, so to speak, consumers with student loans, which as Holly pointed out, is really the youngest millennials and Gen Z, they're appealing to their sense of wanting to support companies that understand them and that share their values and that think, you know, we want to support you while you're having to, while you have this, suddenly have this extra expense on your metaphorical plate. And we would like to put a pizza on that plate too. God, I'm so cheesy. Anyway. Um, <laughs> just like the pizzas. Just like the pizzas. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was also a really clever part of this promotion as well, is they're really appealing to that side of the younger consumer. And that's something that I think a lot of brands can stand to do because, you know, certain brands have a reputation for certain values one way or the other. Domino's, I can't think off the top of my head, has like really strong stances on anything, which is fine. That's one way to operate a company. But I think it's smart of them to to do it this way and to say, hey, we see you. We understand you. We're sorry about this difficult time. Here's some pizza. Well, and that's what KFC is doing with their new boneless items. They've they've taken their menu. They've looked at it. They've seen what the trends are for customers. And Gen Z and Gen Alpha want boneless chicken. There's there's no question. All the research shows they want boneless chicken. There's no they don't want to eat chicken on the bone. They're can we just it. can I just, I just want to ask another question. Why? Why? Like, why did bones <laughs> become a thing? I don't get this. Why do young people want boneless? You know, Brad wrote a whole feature on this. Yeah. I should read those more often, huh? But all his feature stated was young people want boneless. And I, I, I get that. I understand. Why do young people, are they just lazy? Like, I don't, I don't understand. It. They're portable. They're easier to eat. There's no mess. I think that's really what it is, is that like, when you have something with bones in it, you can't be on the road. You can't be eating it while you're walking. It's got to sit down. You got to eat it. You got to take meat off the bones. I also think that our, I think that younger audiences tend to be a little bit more flexitarian in how they eat. And I think that my personal thing is I think they may find it gross eating off of bones because they tend to be more like, they because just that's to, more carnal. <laughs> like, yeah, probably. Uh, they can pretend it's not an animal if it's uh, not on a bone. Ew. Yeah, 100%. 100% you can pretend it's not an animal if it's not on the bone. It's interesting. I don't. I don't know. I find. I find all of that really interesting because, like, for for me, let me just go through my thought process on the bones versus boneless. To me, bones actually represent more uh, proof that it is better because you can't fool me. Because with boneless, you can say this is, you know, breast meat and it's thigh meat or something. You know what I mean? Like, or if you say a boneless wing, it's not a wing. Right, they're using breast meat. So, like to me, something oh, that's on a, very Brett is very specific on that point. Right, it is not a wing if it's not on bone. Right, so that's why for me, I'm like, and I would have guessed Gen Z would be more about authentic and you know pure whatever. But like to go boneless is actually to accept less authenticity of the meal. I, I might be nitpicking here, but and and to go on a little bit of a tangent, our generation, uh, well, millennials, I'm elder millennial. When we were coming of age, the trends were so much around adventure and flavor and global. And now we've come back around to boneless. <laughs> I'm like, what what happened? I, I don't know. To me, it feels like we're we're suddenly so focused on the convenience of I want a bite on a fork and I want to eat it in one bite. I don't want to deal with any bones. Like, doesn't it feel like we're that's I, I'm this is just me being a crotchety old man, get off my lawn moment. But yep. I'm like, that feels like a li we're kind of dumbing things down a little bit, doesn't it feel like? Anyway, I do want to say, just to bring us back a little bit, that KFC is not calling them boneless wings. They're calling them chicken tenders, which yeah. I don't know. Brett's not here, but that feels accurate to me. Um, and they're calling them chicken tenders and chicken nuggets. So they have, they're not right. calling them bone anything. 
And remember, a tender is a part of an animal, right? So, like, that's the tenderloin. So, like, I wonder, I, I don't know. I, I Again, nitpicking, but words mean something. And typically they mean more to younger people than older. So I, that's why this is all fascinating to me. You're just fascinated by this, Sam. You are just, ask your kids. They're Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha. Yeah, they eat mac and cheese and spaghetti for every and I'm meal. Sure they eat, sure they eat chicken gonna, nuggets. I had mac do. and cheese for dinner last night, so. <laughs> hey, no shame. No shame. I'm sure your kids love chicken nuggets and chicken tenders. Not as much as you would think. We get them chicken a lot because it's usually the best option available on a menu. And they don't, you know, they don't eat all of it. So, I don't know. Anyway, we can continue I don't on about think KFC. I don't know why Gen Z and Alpha, Gen Alpha like chicken nuggets, but they do. And I'll throw them the benefit oh. of the doubt in saying here, boneless is easier to dip in sauces. So let's just say, because condiments and sauces are, you know, back and they're like, you know, more adventurous big, with your condiments. Thing, yeah. So it's easier to dip boneless into it. I don't, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, Gen Z, but somebody, if somebody could email me, sam.okasetinforma.com, explain to me why boneless is a trend for younger people. I, I, I'll crush some boneless chicken. I'm not, no, no shame in eating boneless chicken. Crush some boneless I chicken. I just want to know why that's a trend with young people. What's appealing of boneless? That's all I got. Off my so I, I'm a younger millennial at the very end of millennial. Um, and I love bone-in chicken wings. They're one of my favorite things in the world. When I was a vegetarian, I craved chicken wings. And I don't think I could ever do without them. So you're an exception to the rule. Well, I'm a millennial, not a Gen Z. This is a Gen Z thing, I guess. Apparently, strictly. It's a Gen Z thing. Gen Z, we need, Gen. We Alpha. need to hire somebody. We need a resident Gen Z person on our team. Yeah, we don't can have I be person. not the youngest person in this office anymore? Yes. Impli- so I'm getting up there. I'm getting pretty old. Yes. Yeah. You're an old person now. You're one of I'm us. I'm an old person now. I should start getting my crotchety jokes out here. It's fun. Embrace it. Uh, okay. Do we have anything else about KFC? I, I'm sorry. I, I threw this all off. Everything's about Gen Z. And it's funny because everything you just said has nothing to do with the KFC story. Like a little bit about the trends and stuff, but like. Gen Z, like we, like the, that, it came back to the young people and what they want. And that's what KFC is responding to, which by the way, total credit to KFC for responding to the trends. I just don't understand why the trends exist. Doesn't mean you shouldn't respond to them. Okay, so you're not responding to the trends, Sam. We'll cut you out of this whole thing. He did not. Um, we'll remove you from the podcast. <laughs> you're no longer part of it. <laughs> All right, well, I think we've covered everything, guys. I think we've gotten a good good handle on it. They got to hear Sam's crotchety monologue for a little bit. Um, so that that's a sign of a good podcast. Good job. All right, guys. Good job, team. Thank you guys for joining me today. And I'm going to throw it over to Alicia Kelso, who, who interviewed G.J. Hart, the CEO of Red Rock. Get all your pork items for your operation with Smithfield Culinary. Choose from Smithfield's smoke and fast products and add barbecue to your menu without adding a pitmaster to your payroll. Or browse our margarita offerings, encompassing everything from pepperoni and pizza toppings to a variety of authentic specialty Italian meats. Finally, serve what you love with Smithfield, including everything from bacon to deli meats and much more. For the products and solutions to keep running strong, visit smithfieldculinary.com. Hi, I'm Alicia Kelso, executive editor at Nation's Restaurant News. I'm here at the Prosper Forum in Amelia uh, Island, Florida, and uh, I am with G.J. Hart, who is the CEO of Red Robin. Came on board almost a year ago. Not quite a year, but we're getting real close to the anniversary. We are. Um, And thank you for joining us. I'm excited for this conversation. Happy to be here. Yeah. Good to see you. So one of the reasons I'm excited about this conversation is because you came on board, like I mentioned in September... 22 out of retirement. Um, so I, I'm just curious what compelled you about the red Robin brand to bring you out of retirement. Yeah. So a couple things. Well, first of all, I had joined the board of red Robin in 2019. I was asked to join and I felt like I could make a difference with my experience. And, and, uh, so I, I was particularly intrigued by it because at my Texas roadhouse days, when we were just a small little company, uh, Red Robin was one of those com- companies in casual dining that was really doing well, and we admired them and, and really watched them. In fact, uh, we were small, but we were growing, and then, of course, we went public in 2004, and we were sort of the second company out. Red Robin was the first in casual dining during that period for IPOs, and 
and so gained a lot of respect for what Red Robin was doing, what they had been doing. And so I've always had this affinity for really Red Robin understanding who their consumer and their guest is and sticking to uh, what they do well and really being focused. And so, you know, uh, that affinity has just sort of stayed with me. Right, right. And when you came on board, uh, the first thing you announced was this five-point turnaround plan. Tell me a little comeback bit. Comeback plan. Comeback plan. That's right. Tell me what where that need came from, and and you know why why this became your immediate priority. Well, because again, again, Red Robin was uh, is an iconic brand. It's been around over fifty years, and again, going back in casual dining during that growth of real casual dining, Red Robin knew exactly who they were, and that was we're about kids, family, great food, great value, great hospitality. And that niche, if you think about that, the reason the comeback's so important is because there's that niche. I'm not sure there's anyone's really filled it completely. And so we think we can go back and become relevant and fill that niche again. And and so the five-point plan was just really based on what was the history, what happened to Red Robin to slow down a bit and all the things that happened over the previous years. And quite frankly, I... I kind of say that I'm a historian of the brand because I've met with so many people that had been with the company before or within the company to understand the history and how did it get to where it is. And so the plan was really built around what were the challenges? How do we get it back to being relevant? And that's how it was born. And, you know, candidly, the Red Robin brand had just gotten um, a little bit stale, slowed down growth. It was more financially driven than it was being guest focused. And so, um you know, that's what we started to do is just, hey, let's make sure that we're focused on on how do we execute this sure. brand. And the most important thing about our five-star plan is is really about um, becoming an operations-focused company. Mm-hmm. Not a marketing company, but, hey, we're about single-unit operators running their restaurants the best they can do it and supporting them in that effort. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been a major shift. Sure. In the company. One of the things that intrigues me about that plan is, you know, you're coming out and saying these past several quarters, we're going to add, uh, you know, people back, uh, yep. you know, expos. We're going to add bussers. Yep. Um, and you're saying this, you know, kind of on the tail end of a, a significant labor crisis. Tell me why that was one of the five priorities that you identified and how that has manifest, what you're seeing from that from that so far. Yeah. Well, let me, let me sort of start with the end in mind. Sure. If you think about what we reported in the first half of the year is that false weights were a problem at Red Robin. And we, in the first half, and we reported this, that we had, we broke over 900 either hourly, daily, weekly, monthly sales records in a 50-year-old brand in the first half of the year. How did we do that? Well, we did that by giving giving the operators the ability to make some decisions on their own, staff up appropriately, as you rightly point out, things like bussers and expo and managers, getting them trained, put into position, investing back into business. But the, the rewards were our guest satisfaction scores are up, our overall false weights are down significantly, and we're getting the turn through the through through our restaurants. So um, that was identified early on. And 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 if you think about it for a minute, one of the decisions that was made along the way is to go to more generalists. So a general manager and assistant GM with assistant managers instead of a kitchen manager and a service manager. And so going back to some of those things, they had to get those restaurants open. But if you only have two salaried managers and you're running 14 shifts a week, how in the world are you going to do it all? Hire people, to your point, labor crisis. How do you get them trained? You have first have to hire them, train them, and then you still got to run the restaurants. And so they're going to solve the problem some way. And that's how my visits in the restaurants, it was pretty clear to me very quickly what was really going on, sure. these false weights, because they don't have a choice. I mean, I don't, quite frankly... I'm not sure how they were able to do their jobs very effectively. And um, and so we've come a long way to fixing those things. In fact, we did a, a tour around the whole country. We called them rallies where I went out and talked, listened and talked to everyone around what I learned and what we're going to do about it. And it was amazing the amount of passion around doing it right. And so uh, it candidly, it's been one of the blessings for us is that the teams have just come along along the way. But that that's a long answer to your question, yeah. but it gives you sort of the – the backdrop. Well, and 
from what I understand, you're you're you've added incentive programs, correct? Tell me, I, I mean, I they go they're, they're hand in hand. You're yeah. recognizing this in yeah. a way that wasn't done before. Yeah. So, a couple things. Well, first of all, we, we wanted to create an environment where we celebrate the wins. I don't care how little they are. Let's at least get focused on changing the momentum, the trajectory of what we were doing. Now, the incentive piece is I, you know, coming from the Texas Roadhouses and, you know, we've put in these these managing partner programs where they have some skin in the game and they get paid based on their performance. Now, we we haven't actually done that in the single unit operator yet. We've done it in a multi-unit because in a big system like us with 500 restaurants, we we need to learn to make sure we've got all these pieces. So we've done the multi-unit and it's going very well. And our plan is to roll out the single unit by the first of the year. But having said that, they all have been it's allowed us to, enough time to start educating so it's not just okay to be a great restaurant operator you have to be a good business person mm-hmm. and so that's what we're starting to work and some of the people that we've brought in are helping us do that so they'll be set up in January if we launch in January that they'll know how this all works sure. and so I think the mindset shift is dramatic because all of a sudden now their business to run we're there to support them mm-hmm. and they get to they get to reap the rewards so um, I think it's for all the right reasons. And again, we're coming at this. The, we want our operators to feel successful. We want them to win, and we want them because if they win, we win. Mm-hmm. And so that, okay. that's it's an exciting time, and we're we're excited to well, do and it. And like you mentioned, you're seeing customer satisfaction scores I- increase. I mean, it's been less than a year, yeah. and there has been a palpable results. Um, in that time frame, especially on the customer satisfaction right. scores. Is that what you're attributing this to, or is it yeah, everything so, kind of in play? Yeah, so the, if you think about, you're right, it's a year, and you don't just snap your fingers and fix something. And so the first piece was hospitality, and I think we're seeing those re- the rewards. But if you think about what we're doing with food, which we you know, we made the switch to how we cook our burgers, every building says gourmet burgers and brews, Let's produce a gourmet burger. There's a lot more competition in the burger space than when Red Robin was in its heyday. So we've really taken a look and say, all right, how do we produce a true gourmet burger that's got innovation and creativity and all that stuff associated with it? Well, um, we really haven't done all of that yet. We have switched the way we cook burgers and the buns and the presentation and the plating. But all the ingredient changes like better, really world-class mayonnaise to ripe vine uh, tomatoes to a bacon that is that you're proud of to every sauce that we do. We're, in fact, by October, we'll have touched almost every product on the menu. Okay. That hasn't even happened yet. So the, to your point about satisfaction scores, it's really not about the food yet because we haven't even launched a lot of okay. this. So I, I am, and I don't want to get over our skis on this, but I'm pretty daggone excited about what's going to happen. Yeah. In fact, I'll tell you, we we even took our board back in the kitchen and said, showed them like chicken to chicken to mayonnaise to mayonnaise, made them taste each of these things. Mm-hmm. And when you put it all together, it's just pretty dramatic what we're about to do. When are you expecting, because we've been talking about the burgers, right? The um, the new burgers facilitated through new a new grill. Right. Um, when, when do you expect that to be system-wide? Well, no, it is system-wide. Okay. The cooking platform is system-wide. Okay. In fact, you think about this for a minute. We use the belt-driven mm-hmm. conveyor oven-type system uh, to cook our burgers finished on flat tops. and uh, Sorry, uh, on charbroilers. And now we switch to flat top for the whole thing. And, you know, the origin, origination of the, the belt-driven was about consistency. It was about speed. And yet what we're finding through flat tops is better consistency and definitely more speed because you can more put a bunch of burgers on at the same time. But that switch has been made completely. Okay. What I'm talking about is in October, we'll launch all the different ingredient okay. upgrades as well. So the new burgers exactly um, by October. Yeah, and we also um, we actually have a couple more apps coming on the, on the menu as well as okay. uh, some entrees. Are you taking some off to um, make room? We, we are taking – so our intent is to continue to – keep about the same number of menu items. So if we take one off, we put one on, okay. that type of thing. This first change, we we are adding a couple of items, but we're not going to add a whole bunch. Okay. Um, but you're going back to that gourmet burgers that's slapped outside of every single building you've got. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole plan. Okay. Yep. Very good. Uh, brews is also on the building. Yeah, brews. <laughs> so oh, yeah, so. Let's talk about beer because it's my favorite topic. <laughs> um yeah, you know, listen, our whole beverage platform, Red Robin was known for creativity, particularly on now-alcoholic now, now alcoholic beverages. 
And so, you know, we've got the team working on all that as well. And, you know, in beer, it's about, it's more than just the beer. It's about how do you clean glassware, right? It's about, you know, is it cold? Are the mugs cold? All those, are you cleaning the lines properly? So we've got some work to do there. And look, again, we've only been at this a year and I always, I, I say it all the time. It's let's do first things first. Mm-hmm. So we're starting with burgers and then we'll move on from Got there. Got it. Okay. Uh, operational um, focus, as you mentioned, is, you know, one of the biggest priorities here. Um, give me, we, we talked about the girls being quicker, more consistent. Uh, what other types of um, moves have you made for that operational efficiency, whether it be back of house, front of house? Just sort of give me a walkthrough of some other changes or adjustments. Well, I mean, philosophically, what we're doing by becoming an operations-driven company, what we're doing is create an environment where we don't make a decision without an operator at the table. That's number one. And number two, we're giving the power back to the operators to make the right calls. So if you're a restaurant doing $5 million – it's different than if you're a restaurant doing $3 million. And so we need to make sure that the groups that are in the in that particular area are making sure they share best practices with each other, communicate, get to know what, the, what each other is doing and learning from that. That mentality, philosophically, that change is helping our operators get better. Okay. Um, and so what's happening is they're then saying, well, this is working for me. Because remember, we're not forcing them to say everything's dictated by us. So how you schedule your labor, when you schedule it, how you run your restaurant, we're going to give you the guardrails, but and we're here to support you, but we're not just going to dictate. And so by letting people use their own minds, that, that in and of itself is creating efficiency. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, that's a large part why we've broken so many sales records. Sure. Because guess what? If you broke a sales record, I'm going to call you and say, how'd you do that? What no are doubt. you doing differently? No doubt. And, you know, similar kind of volume restaurants are doing that. And it's it's been remarkable once you allow people just to open up, yeah. what happens? You've got 900 case studies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. I, I thought mean, about I, it I like would that, take but 900 that's case true. studies. That's, that's great. But w- when I go out to restaurants, what's really exciting is when they're so excited about having done that, you know, a sales per hour of X, we never thought we could do that. Mm-hmm. Or And so we've got more work to do around all this, but... Um, I think we're well on our way. Yeah, well, and you, the unit economics have improved. You talked about that, you know, yep. during the most recent earnings call, the one before that. We're seeing margin improvement. Yep. Um, is that attributable to any one thing? Is it? It's a little bit of everything. Okay. You know, in our in in our North Star plan, uh, operations focus, but the third part of the plan is around really building relationships back with our vendor community, wherever those partners are, whether it's technology or whether it's operations or, or supply chain. So tapping into their innovation, to what they're doing and realizing that we're in this together. Mm-hmm. And I think where Red Robin had gotten to, it was a little bit more of, um, hey, you're a supplier to us and we'll call you, don't call us. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that negatively. It's just the mentality, I think, to 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 think about the world a little differently. I like to think that our vendor partners are our partners and they, they, there's no big, big secrets in this business. Let's just make sure that we're learning from them. And then in addition to that, once they know about us, then, Hey, come to the party and, uh, and help us get to where we want to go. And they've been terrific, you know? And so, so, you know, we, uh, from a supply chain perspective, we're getting quite a bit of savings just by how we're thinking about the world. You know, we've gone, and this sounds crazy, but, you know, it's just like on our uh, – we've gone back to fresh uh, fresh chicken where we're breading it in-house versus buying a pre-cooked frozen product. And we're saving a bunch of money, and the product is significantly better. And guess what? Pride's back into the kitchens. Mm-hmm. So it's things like that as well as what the operators are doing from a scheduling and labor and all that productivity. And then we're going back to some of the some of the other expenses like our third-party vendors and – how do we how do we upgrade what our relationship with you and and get better and so uh, those when you combine all those things we're going to get margin expansion our hope is to get margin expansion yeah. um, from all of all those different type of things sure. and historically Red Robin's always been a good restaurant level margin company and I'm confident we can get back there in spite of the challenges that we've all suffered through inflation is a little bit better than where it was and 
Um, we're not going to get there tomorrow, but we, we feel good about the plan okay. longer term to get there. Um, I lived in Columbus, Ohio for six years. My boss, Sam Ocas, lives there now. As you know, it's the home of Donato's Pizza. <laughs> um, that relationship is very intriguing to me. So I, I, I know that it was paused for a little bit so you could focus on these fundamentals and getting your plan into place. Where is it now? And, and are you still bullish on this partnership? The Donato's brand is an incredible brand. I love the product. I love the product before it went to Red Robin. Uh, great family business, and they're terrific partners. We didn't really pause Donato's. We just slowed the growth down. Largely because, again, first things first, I've got Red Robin, that's our brand. Let's make sure we take the care of the mothership first. Um, look, if I had unlimited capital, we'd be done with Donato's because it's good for us. It's good. It fits our positioning of Americana. It does so many things well for us, helps third party off premise. There's so many things about the brand that it helps augment what we're up to. Um, but right now, uh, we don't have unlimited capital, so we want to be prudent about it, and we're going to continue to grow. It's just going to take us a little bit longer. That's okay. all. Um, and, again, they've been uh, – they, the Donato's folks, have been uh, terrific about that, and they understand what we're trying to get done and been super supportive. And uh, that's what you want from a partner. Sure. So it's all good. Has it been beneficial uh, Beneficial because of the incrementality? You said yeah. it's been good for both brands. Yeah, so it's good on multiple fronts, right? But, yeah, from an incremental ticket perspective, definitely see it. And, okay. Um, so the restaurants. And, again, once we get the whole system done, well, there'll be other benefits, right, so that we can market it appropriately and instead of being very targeted in specific geographic areas. So um, more to come, and I think it will help us more. Okay. But I also think that – Red Robin is, to me, is like the epitome of Americana, you know, just in terms of family and kids and, and you know, good, hearty American-type cuisine. And so pizza, while pizza's not necessarily from, from America, we've certainly made it Americana, right? And so I think it helps our menu mix. It helps a whole bunch of different okay, things. Right. Um, you talked about capital investment, how you don't have unlimited funds right now. And, you know, how does that come into play with, how you're prioritizing technology in this turnaround plan, mm -hmm. where does that fit in in terms of your investment priorities? Yeah, so um, again, I'll, I'll, I'll say it for, again, first things first, in our particular case, there are just some infrastructure technology things we need to do um, that um, we are doing, whether it's uh, things like having Wi-Fi accessibility in every restaurant, which then helps with handheld technology. There's all those things. So we're doing those infrastructure projects and they are important and we are investing a lot to do that. Then the next phase of this is we are looking forward is how does technology really help us enable us to provide a better guest experience and make it better for our operators and for all of our team members. And so we are thinking about that and I could get into all the specifics, but I'd rather get the first things in the infrastructure finished first um, and then put those next things in place. So technology is a big part of it. I think ultimately the way we're going to win in this business is that individual relationship with each guest. And as you know, we have a very large loyalty base and re-engaging that, doing it the right way, rewarding for loyalty versus just trying to get acquisition mm -hmm. of new guests. And and so technology will be a huge driver in that. Sure. So we've got some work to do, but again, the infrastructure's first. And, and one thing kind of along those lines that really excites me every time you talk is, you know, your quest to get back to that local marketing philosophy. Uh, tell me a little bit more about how you're doing that and why that's so critical for your mission. Well, um, Red Robin was built on being parts of communities. Our mission is about being most loved in our communities that we serve. That was how this company was built. And so I don't think we have the, the, we certainly don't have the firepower or the ability, or nor should we, to say we're a big national brand and compete with those big competitors with many more restaurants and more, and they, they're built on as a marketing machine. We're built as an operations machine. Mm -hmm. And so going back to those local communities, supporting it, whether it's the local ball team or the church or whatever it might be, I think those are the things that we need to go back to. And we're doing that by creating the right local store marketing support, sharing best practices with operators, giving some additional marketing support to be able to do that. And then as we 
go away from national marketing to more localized marketing, being very targeted and specific. And as you know, um, digital platforms allow you to be much more targeted today, so we'll be able to do that. And at the same time, we're running a parallel course with our loyalty base to really get focused, as I said, around rewarding our most loyal guests and then with surprise and delights and creating a more more systematic approach that they feel that we value that versus just discounting just because you're um, a loyalty member or you sign up to be a loyalty member. So we can become very targeted with them as well. So I actually think that between the community and what we're doing with loyalty, that um, those are assets that we haven't even really touched yet. And I think that will help us as we implement these food changes and others to communicate it much more targeted. So um, I'm particularly excited about how we're going to do this. And people ask, like, are you going to have to spend more money? You know, candidly, we need to take the money we are spending and be more effective. And that's what we're trying to do. Okay. Um, All right. Final question here. It's been less than a year, like we talked about. Um, A lot of these things, frankly, from my vantage point, are happening faster than I thought they were. And that's no no indictment of you or your ability, of course, but it's just been, you know, a, a, a pretty impressive, um, you know, story to follow. You came on board, you put this plan into place. We're seeing it come to fruition in, you know, the immediate quarters following. So what is what is next? When are you going to be comfortable with this this plan coming to fruition? You know, what is the end goal here for you and getting back to where you want it to be? Uh, what can we expect next? From this? Well, I, w- I will say um, on the first part of your question, the reason that we're having the success that we are is because of the people. It's simple. We have so many long tenured, committed, passionate people that want to win. And so that's helping. I mean, gosh, it's helping me to have the kind of we have franchise partners that are legacy franchise that are super supportive to be so aligned that just doesn't happen overnight. So, so that's exciting in terms of what's the plan for us is our next phase of this is how do we start to grow? How do we think about growth and growth will come in different fashions. It'll be more efficient in the current restaurants that we have and really tapping into, again, going back to what built red Robin in the first place, which is being parts of communities, American, all the things we talked about, and then the second piece is we have a lot of white space for Red Robin. Red Robin fits in, you know, many communities. And so, you know, we're 510 restaurants and we know that we can go into um, a lot of areas in this country that we're not in and really tap into that. So I believe that there's a growth story here eventually. It's not tomorrow, but I think a couple of years down the road, if we get this plan where we want it to be, we'll be able to do that. And that's exciting. You know, it's not every day that you take an iconic brand that sort of gone through its iterations, but we still have so many loyal guests that want us to win, that want to support us. And, you know, if we get this right, we'll be able to grow with them as well. So it's, uh, it's exciting. And our team is aligned to do that. And, um, for me personally, I'm just having a, I'm really having a good time doing it. And, uh, that's what, that's what this is all, all about for me is, Let's see this company continue to be the best that it can be. I trust you'll keep us posted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, it's been fun to watch. I look forward to following, you know, as you continue. And uh, I really appreciate your time, GJ. It's been Absolutely. an honor. Absolutely. It's been fun.